You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. All of our shows can be heard exclusively here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to consider listening to the show live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and Center Club. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs of middle market firms, to improve your decision-making skills. We have two guests today, and our first guest is Ginny Dietrich. She is founder and CEO of Arment Dietrich. Ginny, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? Uh, We're doing well. Why don't we start very simply by asking you to share a little bit of your professional background with our audience. Okay. I have traditional PR background. I worked in a very large global PR firm at the beginning of my career and have followed suit in terms of uh, leaving that agency to, I was in Kansas City, moved to Chicago to work for an ad agency and build their PR department and then figured if I could build a PR department for a company, I could probably do it for myself. And so here we are nine years later, actually nine years next month, in in the development of Armand Dietrich, a, a com- it's actually we've transitioned from traditional PR to digital communications and marketing. And that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit later in the program. So uh, you started to tell us a little bit more about what your firm does, but also help us to understand what makes you different and why clients select your firm? You know, I love to tell the story of I, when I was at the big agency in Kansas City, we were sitting with a client after a, what we considered a year-long really successful campaign. We'd hit all our marks. You know, we'd been out on the road and had helped them sell product and had done a really cool art traveling art exhibit. We'd done all these really interesting and, and different things. We'd gotten tons of a media mentions lots of events. Um, you know, from our perspective, it was a very successful event and or successful year. And I remember sitting, and I was probably all of you know 26 or 27 years old, so not not very experienced yet. But I remember sitting in the dog and pony show that we gave to clients at the end of the year to go through results and things like that. And the uh, director of corporate communications sat back in her chair and. Well, this is all great, and it certainly was a fun year, and from a PR perspective, probably was very successful, but our sales are down. We're losing growers. The cooperative is, you know, going through some troubling times, and we don't consider it a a successful year. And I remember, I actually can still feel that weight in my stomach of, oh, my gosh, here we thought we'd had this great year, and the client thinks it was terrible because, you know, they're, 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 sales are down and they're losing growers in their cooperative. And at that point, I decided there had to be a better way and wanted to figure out a way to measure communications directly to business goals. And I think part of the problem with most, not all, but most of the industry is that they're not business people. You know, it's in a liberal arts degree and the things we do are writing and communicating and they, there's not that 
you know, business side of things or analytical or data-driven kinds of things. And so we don't typically understand that. And until you run a business or you run a P&L, you don't really truly understand how the, the things that you do can affect sales. And so that's what we really focus on is how our efforts do that. And unfortunately, a lot of our peers do not do the same. Can you explain the name of your firm? It, it, it might suggest that you're you're a partnership. I, I see your last name is in the firm, but um, can you give give me a sense for the structure of your firm and certainly the genesis for naming your firm? Well, the true story is that Arment is my maiden name. Oh. Um, and at, and when I started the business, I wasn't married yet. I was engaged to be married, and so it, it made sense to include both names because at that point everybody knew me as Jenny Arment. But what is interesting is it starts with an A, so it always comes up first in searches. <laughs> oh, good. Hey, see, marketing. You're... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you talked about the idea of digital communications, and I know that's an area of uh, focus and expertise. Your company uses technology, and uh, I'm just wondering if, in addition to your business acumen, we're going to talk more about digital marketing after our next commercial break. So we've got about a minute until the break. I'm just wondering if you can give me a sense and our audience of CEOs of middle market companies uh, at a high level, and then we'll come back and get into more detail. But what is it specifically around digital communications that you are using to differentiate your brand in the marketplace? You know, really, it's using content, social media, and media relations events, you know, online events, brand ambassadors, things like that where you can actually measure the effectiveness through um, your analytics. So are people coming to your site? What are they doing? Are they downloading content? Are they participating in your community? Are they attending online events? And from where, from there, where do they go? Are you actually converting them into customers? So we focus a lot on creating the kinds of things that, pe that, that your customers and your prospects want so that then they become either better loyal customers or the prospects convert into customers. This is an exciting field for um, companies because it, and we'll talk about this after the break, but from listening to you talk I, and hearing others speak about the, the amount of intelligence that you can get from your digital marketing campaigns, mm -hmm. it really reminds me of, a lot of direct marketing where you were really able to measure the immediate response and almost it's even better now because as I'm talking I'm thinking it's it's real time it is it is even more instantaneous than any other form of marketing that companies were using in the past or have you are using currently so let's sit on that thought for a moment ladies and gentlemen uh, Jeannie's going to be back with us and we're going to talk more about digital marketing and her firm and her philosophy but first, we're going to take this commercial break from our sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? 
take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Commercial Bank of California, or CBC, is a well-funded, full-service bank located in the heart of Orange County. When it comes to safety and stability, CBC has one of the highest levels of capital of any commercial bank ranked in the top 6% in the nation. Commercial Bank of California was founded in 2003 by a group of Orange County's finest entrepreneurs. To this day, our bank is governed by our founders, including General William Lyon of William Lyon Homes, Alex Morello of the Morello Group, and Frank Willey of Fidelity National Financial, to name a few. In short, we're a bank founded, built, and run by entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs. Not every business in Orange County should be our customer. However, if your business is looking for a bank that can assist in finance, production, analytics, and risk management, there's no better bank to choose. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000 or visit us on the web at www.combancal.com. Member FDIC. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 10,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All shows can be heard live here on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. Okay, let's return our to our focus with our first guest, Ginny Dietrich. Ginny, before the break, we started just to touch on the power of digital communications. And I wonder if you could take us through the process of how you identify which method of digital communication would be best to fit the needs of a specific client of yours. Sure. It's really hard because while many organizations are the same, everyone is unique. Um, so it's very difficult to create, you know, the same thing for everybody. Um, we definitely want to customize and, and look at the organization, who they sell to, how they sell, what their sales process is, uh, how long their lead time is, and those kinds of things. So we do a few things. We look at both online and offline um, communications. We look at sales presentations. We, we read the business plan, which is unusual for people in our industry. You know, we really we ask the hard questions. We dig into analytics. We interview uh, former 
customers and current customers to understand what their strengths and weaknesses are. We do that over about a six-week uh, period, and then we create a, a comprehensive marketing and communications plan. And when I say marketing, I don't mean the typical product sales and, you know, trade show coverage and things like that. I'm talking like marketing communications in terms of uh, content, blogs, webinars, um, social media, those kinds of things. And from there we create the plan, and the plan usually takes about two months to write because it's very in-depth. And our goal is to be able to hand that to a client and say, here is your roadmap for the next 12 to 18 months for success. If you follow this exactly, you'll be successful. Now, of course, many clients say, oh, my heck, we can't do this by ourselves and we'll hire us to help them execute. But our goal is to get our clients to the point that they are able to do the work themselves because the, the industry has changed so much. It used to be you'd hire a PR firm because of their relationships with journalists. And now journalists and customers and prospects and stakeholders and brand ambassadors and loyalists and all those people, anybody associated with your business wants to have a direct relationship with you. And not only do they say they want to have it, they expect it. So having a PR firm service that a middleman doesn't work anymore. We can coach you. We can help you. We can get you to the right places. But you're the one that actually has to do, have those conversations and do that work. It's difficult to have a long-term strategy where someone else is showing up in your social media channels and representing either an individual within the company or the company as a whole if those people aren't employees of the company, isn't it? I, I think it wears thin. Correct. People yeah. over time, yeah. I think, can figure out it's not the actual people they think they're communicating with. It, it yep. shows through. It does show through, and and it's not as genuine as I think social requires you to be. Yeah, it really does. It has a, um, a a very good lie detector, just innate in the technology. It's amazing. It, it's it it comes through if it's not genuine. <laughs> I love that. I'm I'm going to steal that. <laughs> Please do. Just give me credit. Of course, occasionally. I will for sure. Okay. All <laughs> right. So we're talking with Jenny Dietrich. She is the founder and CEO of her own firm, Arment Dietrich. And you have a PR and marketing blog that you call Spin Sucks. I love the name. I do. And you host a weekly podcast on communications and social media. Can you tell us more about, first of all, I'm curious as to why you started these two ventures and um, what people who might sign up for your podcast to listen to your podcast or read your blog, what kind of information would they be getting from these social media channels? <laughs> so when I tell people that I'm in PR, you know, networking events for the first time that you meet someone, one of the first things they say is, oh, you, you spin the truth, or you lie for a living, or you plan parties, or what did you think about the Super Bowl ad? And none of those things are true. <laughs> so we, when we started the blog in 2006, we were, I remember sitting in the conference room and trying to figure out what we would call it. And it's funny because I always I ha have always said, oh, this industry makes me crazy that people think that we spin. That totally sucks. And you, I, we had a really young professional who was very passionate and very eager, and she said, what if we called it Spin Sucks? And I was like, huh. So that's where it came from. Um, and the, the whole idea is to change the perception of the PR industry. Now, while it's focused on toward the PR and marketing professionals, we find there are a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs that hang out there, you know, people that are interested in either knowing how to do PR themselves or 
figuring out what they should be holding their PR team accountable towards. So I would venture to guess about 25% of our audience are business leaders and the other 75% are PR and marketing pros. You know, that's a that's a very good point because, you know, one of the fundamental differences between, at least in my mind, between public relations and advertising is that, you know, you're spending your money with the PR agency to get free advertising, to get free exposure. Uh, and, yep. and because of that, it can be a challenge from a middle market CEO's perspective to say, okay, well, what's the difference? Why would I hire a PR firm over an advertising firm? And if I go the PR route, am I really going to get anything for it other than a lot of nice meetings with some interested and talented people? Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, advertising by by its, its sheer nature is a little bit easier to measure because you know, you know, if somebody saw an ad on TV, for instance, you could have a URL or an 800 number that is specific to that ad so then you can track the effectiveness of it. We're, what we're starting to see is, of course, you know, if you get an article in the Commercial Appeal or the New York Times, if that those articles drive traffic to your website, you're starting to see some of that as well. Um, but overall, PR is very, its I mean, it's reputation management. It's building credibility. It's building thought leadership. It's creating brand awareness. And those things are not measurable as a whole. So you know instinctively if it's working. And if you stop doing it, it, it hurts, and you realize, oh, shoot, we shouldn't have stopped doing this because it actually was helping. But it's very, very difficult to measure directly. And that's part of the, the problem, you know, we had we had with the, the client at the big agency is it's very hard to measure that those results directly to sales, to business goals. Right. You know, you also wrote a book, and you, <laughs> it, as a smart marketing public relations <laughs> professional you gave it the same name spin sucks so tell me a little bit about the book (laughs) who's the target audience and how would we get a copy so they the blog is targeted toward pr and marketing pros and on the blog you can get you know tips and best practices and case studies and lots of conversation about you know where things are going and what kinds of things you should be doing the book takes that same philosophy but it's targeted toward business leaders so it's if, if you're a small business or an entrepreneur and you want to do this yourself, it, it gives you the DIY steps to do some of it yourself. If you're a middle market or a large business, it gives you the things that you should – it gives you enough intelligence to be able to go into a meeting with your PR team, your PR agency, your PR professionals, and ask the right questions and hold them accountable to the things that they should be doing instead of it being some – weird magic thing that you don't really understand. So that's my hope with the book is that people walk away from it going, okay, I totally get this now, and these are the kinds of things that I need to implement with my team and hold them accountable to achieving. And how would we get a copy if someone in the audience would like to buy a copy of your book? Well, you can get it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Well, there you go. And the title is Spin (laughs) Sucks. Okay. It is. If someone would like to learn more about you and the firm, how do they find you online? You know, the easiest way, because it's easy to spell, is spinsucks.com. We hang out there every day. There's links to the firm there. There's links to all of us. So it's pretty easy to find us there. Spinsucks.com. Well, there you go. Well, the, the time has flown by. I had, I don't know, at least as many questions that I didn't get a chance to ask you as I <laughs> wanted to ask you. So I will talk with Crystal, and we'll uh, get you back another time and 
Maybe oh, that'd be that great. Time, maybe at that time I'll have a chance to read your book, and we could actually get a little deeper into the book as well. Would you be willing to do that? That would be great, yes. All right. Well, then, it, then it's a plan, and I will talk with our producer and request that she set that up and get a copy of the book. So uh, thank you very much for being a guest on the program, a friend of the program, and welcome to the Critical Mass business community. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our second commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And then Ron Ashkenaz of uh, Schaefer Consulting, he's a senior partner, will be coming on to talk about a variety of different things. One of them is the rapid results approach. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after these commercial words from our sponsors. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO peer groups. CEO peer groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. The Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and business executives who listen to the show to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio program may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our program. Last month, we delivered over 30,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions. 
To learn more, contact our advertising department at 949-887-4104. All right, I'd like to return to the show and our second guest, Ron Ashkenaz, who is a senior partner at Schaefer Consulting. Ron, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, Rick. Pleasure to be here. Why don't you give us a little sense in our audience of CEOs of middle market companies. Tell us a little bit about your background, Ron. Uh, sure. I, I've been with uh, Schaefer Consulting for about 30 years, so it's a little bit of the ancient history. Um, but I, uh, I joined the firm out of graduate school. I actually started after college uh, teaching special education. And what I discovered was that these students that had sort of behavioral problems, the, the issue was not that the kids didn't have issues, but the school system had issues. So I got very intrigued with looking at an organization as a system and went back to school, got my doctorate in organizational behavior, and uh, discovered Schaefer Consulting while I was in graduate school and have been with them ever since. What is it that Schaefer Consulting works on? Kind of what makes the firm different? Why do clients hire Schaefer Consulting over other firms that are in your space? Well, we're a bit of a unique firm. Um, first of all, we don't do studies and reports like many other consulting firms do. We really try to target uh, clients who are impatient, managers who believe that their organizations can achieve far more than what they're already achieving. And we've we've found that there's this hidden reserve in most organizations. For example, worked with a... Uh, a textile company that made fabrics for um, carpet manufacturers a uh, number of years ago. And they, they had two lines that were pretty much equal, and a, a storm made, really damaged one of the lines, but they had to keep going with their productivity. And somehow they figured out a way to shift much of their production to the other line, increase the capacity of it, and be able to make every customer order on time while they were also fixing the other line. Now, it's not possible to keep this up all the time, but what that shows and what that showed this manager is that uh, there was a, you know, like a 100% increase in productivity. You can't sustain that. But what he realized was that in, in his company, it was possible they were getting just a fraction of what the capability was. So those are the kind of managers we look for, managers who really think and believe that their companies can do far better than what they're doing. I, I would think that would be many firms, Ron. I would think many middle market companies are, are feeling um, there's something bigger and better for their firm if they could just unlock the latent p possibilities or potential of their firm. So. I would think your message resonates with a lot of middle market CEOs across the country. Well, I, I certainly hope so, and I think so. I mean, we've had very good success in uh, middle market types of, of firms, and, and particularly over the last several years because so many firms have focused so much on cost cutting. So we have sort of fewer and fewer people but trying to do more and more work. So how do you figure out a way to do the work differently in a way that really increases the uh, the productivity of the organization, but also figure out a way to be more innovative so you grow with new products and new solutions. Um, so it's, it's a, a major challenge that uh, I think middle market firms have, as well as large firms in, in these days. So I, I think this message does resonate with them. Perfect. I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about the rapid results approach. You know, what is it and, and how... Do you implement this concept when working with clients? Well, the, the notion behind rapid results is that in order to change something in your company, uh, what a lot of 
companies do and other consultants do is they, they study the problem. And they study it and they analyze it and they collect data and they come up with a report and a recommendation. So our view and where the rapid results approach comes in is do just enough study, and sometimes that's just talking to a few people because most people have a lot of good ideas about what to do. And the best way to learn about how do you make change happen and how do you tap into that potential and that hidden reserve is to actually try things, to do things quickly. So we create this rapid results approach. It's a little bit like a microcosm of a crisis, but without the crisis. So you have all the factors, say, in 100 days, challenge a team to increase their output or their productivity in a small focused way by a percent that they thought might be impossible. But give them the challenge to do it and some help in, in getting that done. And most of the time, they're able to come up with very creative ways of doing that. And what they learn from that during the course of that 100 days can then be scaled and, and applied to other things. So we have lot, lots of examples of that. Uh, I'm currently working with a, a small newspaper, a local newspaper that's having challenges with circulation. And they have lots of ideas about what to do. What we're focusing in on is one small neighborhood that's in their circulation area and taking a lot of these ideas and testing them very quickly, sort of rapid experimentation. And as they figure out what works and doesn't work, they're changing it and modifying it and gradually seeing their Getting, getting some real goals and being able to hit their targets in that uh, in that area, and then they'll be able to scale off of that. So that that's the idea of the rapid results approach: is get some real success, do it in a fast way, but do it in a way that you get a lot of learning at the same time. And there's certain things, Ron, in my experience as well, that uh, a middle market CEO and his organization, her organization, you you can't learn the ex- until you actually do it. You know, you can. You can plan for it all you want and do contingency planning and, and all that, but until you're in the game and you're actually testing your, your thinking, there's just things that you can't anticipate that, you know, you need to be in the game a little bit. You learn so much more, so much more quickly, I think, as well by, by trying things. And it's an interesting approach that, that you guys use in rapid results approach. Absolutely. I mean, we sometimes call it rapid experimentation because you're, you're always experimenting and learning as you go along. Right. Um, no, no matter what anyone tells you, that most business plans are theory right. and sometimes are exercises in creative writing. Yes, so exactly. You have to actually get out there into the marketplace and see, you know, how's the customer going to really react to this? How do our people react to it? Can we actually do this? Do we have the capability? So those are things you can only learn through experience. I think it was the great strategist uh, boxer Mike Tyson who said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? And, <laughs> and in business, right, you can have all line. the plans you want until you meet the marketplace and see how the customers and your competitors react to you. Absolutely. All right. I'd like to ask you if you could, you know, you you, <clears throat> you have a lot of experience and, and education and you know, the lessons that you've learned in your career. I'm wondering if you have a a philosophy or a guiding principle that you might be able to uh, share with our audience at this point? Well, probably the uh, the one guiding principle is that people are really motivated by success. And one of the things that managers can do is to help engineer small successes for their people. So these small successes can be incredibly motivating and give people the confidence that they can try something a little more ambitious and more ambitious. Uh, 
And, and that's a, just a great way to run a company, is to have it be built on a foundation of continuing small successes. Uh, but managers, I think one of the keys is that don't leave those to chance. Sort of engineer them and focus them. Focus on one customer. Focus on one production line. Focus on one geography if you're if you're selling things. So I think that that's the guiding principle. Try to find some small successes and really build on those. You're, okay, thank you. Your company lists five factors that are distinct from other consulting firms. And I'm wondering if, if you could just give us a quick read on these five concepts. I, I have them here in front of me. Results as a means as well as an end. Delivery of improvement. Speed used to mitigate risk. Experience at all levels. And development of clients. Those five are, are five factors that are distinct to, to Schaefer Consulting. And could you just give us a sense for what those five kind of mean culturally and to your clients? Well, sure. Some of it is similar to what we just talked about with the rapid results approach and the, and the guiding principle of small successes. But the re results as a means as well as an end, every consulting firm and all managers all talk about we're in the business of results, we're always going to get results. But most consultants do start with a lot of studies and a lot of evaluations and a lot of analysis. So we start with results because we think results is not just what you want to get to, but results is also the means to get there. So if you focus on a, on a short-term goal, 100 days or less or 30 days or less, it just gives you all kinds of information and confidence and momentum and new skills and opportunities to learn. So that, that's what we mean by results as a means as well as an end. You know, as, I, as I'm listening to you uh, drive home that point, which it's very valid, the other thought that I'm having, Ron, is that uh, when you do that in increments like that, manageable small chunks, if, you're, if it doesn't turn out the way you had expected, it's okay to fail. And so you also build, I think, a little bit of resilience in the culture of the company about taking a chance and trying something new, knowing that it's kind of a managed risk as well. Absolutely. Well, that, that's the third principle, speed, use speed to mitigate risk. But it's the notion of failing fast. So if you're doing contained experiments over a short period of time on a focused target, like with, with one customer or with one production line or one geography, then you can, you can take a little bit of a risk and see is it going to work or not work. If it doesn't work, you haven't bet the farm on it. You've done it in a small, contained way, and you've you've thought of it as an experiment. That that makes it uh, you, you can fail fast. And the faster you fail, the the better. That that's great. Then you can figure out what you did wrong or what didn't work, and do something different. Because I think the fear of failure or the risk to one's career in a larger organization, and maybe even in middle market firms, can really stifle innovation and creativity uh, throughout the company. If if they've seen those that have tried, who've dared to try something new, go down in flames, the next person is less likely to step out on that ledge and give it a try as well. So, so this, this concept really is encouraging for people to, to make the effort because the reward feels like it's bigger than the risk. Sure. We're, we're, we're all more comfortable with what we know and what we've been doing and how we've been doing things. And as soon as you do something different, you, you don't know, is, is this going to work and what's going to be the consequences? And, right. and particularly the, the bigger the change, the more the risk. So right. um, being able to do something quickly and in focused ways really reduces that, that sense of risk. 
Ron, we're going to take our next commercial break here. When we come back, I'm going to ask you, uh, you're a recognized international speaker, and you work with CEOs of various size firms, as well as you're an author of both articles and books. And I'd like to spend a couple minutes, if you would, when we get back from the commercial break, if you could talk a bit about simplicity-minded management, your books, Simplicity-Minded Management. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Ron Ashkenaz, Senior Partner at Schaefer Consulting, after these words from our commercial sponsors. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. There's something uniquely positive about the word up. When things are good, things are looking up. When you want to go fast, you speed up. And when you're really cheering, you stand up. So when you want to move up, what do you do? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's degree or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up better than virtually everyone else, and that university is Brandman. Brandman University is ranked by U.S. News & World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs, and it ranked best in the state of California. Brandman also received top honors from U.S. News & World Report for our online graduate programs in business and education. Plus, our programs are available on ground at more than 25 convenient campuses. So to wrap things up, we recommend you look us up at brandman.edu. That's brandman.edu. And find out how to move up like never before. Brandman University. Move up. back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 10,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live here on radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. Ron Ashkenaz is our guest. He's a senior partner at Schaefer Consulting. Before the break, Ron, I said I'd like to spend a little bit of time asking you, if you would, talk about the content and concepts behind simplicity-minded management. Uh, sure, Rick. Actually, simplicity-minded management is, is an article that I wrote for Harvard Business Review. The book is called Simply Effective, which was sort of an expansion of the article. 
and it came out of work that I, I had the opportunity to do originally with uh, as part of a team that worked with Jack Welch at GE over 20 years ago. Uh, when when Welch was transforming GE, one of his key principles was simplicity, and that notion of simplicity was very powerful in taking you know, a company as big and complex as GE. And one of the things that uh, that Welch did was really fostered a culture of simplicity. So in in working in that project and then with many other companies over the years, began to think about what what is it that creates complexity in organizations. And some of it is some of it is inevitable. You know, with new technologies and changing business environments and regulations and all those things. But more and more I observed and in working with companies saw that a lot of the complexity we create ourselves, managers create themselves, uh, and there are a number of different sources of it, but for example, too many products and too many product variations. So we keep adding products, but we never take products away. And every time we add products and added product variations, it creates cost in the system. And we feel a loyalty to those products and an emotional emotional connection to them. And it's very hard to turn them off or to stop offering them. But sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to rationalize our product lines. That's just one thing. Um, and there are a number of others in terms of the way we create processes that are too complex. And often we create um, we have managerial behaviors that are too complex, meetings that go on forever and that don't really accomplish anything, uh, lack of real management disciplines, emails that go off to a lot of people, but I'm sure everybody has had this experience of getting emails and wondering why I was on this list and what am I supposed to do about this, et cetera. All of that creates complexity. The purpose of the book and a lot of work we do with companies uh, about that book is how do you begin to get control over the complexity that you create because that's the good news. If you've created it, you can do something about it. Is it your experience then that in um, in, in removing the complexity that the organization, the people are comfortable with the concept of, of simplifying the business or or do you find or have you found, is it your experience that maybe the own, the organization itself may resist the idea of becoming less complex? I think most people want to be successful, and they want to do the best possible work they can and have a good experience and enjoy what they're doing. And Most people at work, whether it's whether they're kind of frontline employees or managers, don't really like spending their day and not feeling like they've accomplished anything. So if you can kind of clear away some of the unproductive, unnecessary stuff and get people to focus on things that really do make a difference where they can see a line of sight to what they're really accomplishing, they usually feel pretty good about it. The other thing is that if, if they're spending all this time doing things that are not all that productive but are sort of feeding the machinery and the beast mm -hmm. to kind of keep stuff going, they don't have much time to think about how do we be innovative and how do we solve customer problems. We're just spending all our time just sort of keeping up and writing those reports and going to those meetings, et cetera. So I find most people are extremely receptive and, in fact, excited about how do we make things less complex. Is it your experience, Ron, that applying technology to, to, uh, to a company helps to make it more effective, efficient, and simple, or builds a complexity in the business that requires a different skill set and you know, more investment? Well, I mean, like, like any tool, it has to be applied appropriately. 
I mean, let's just use a, this very simple example of um, emails was supposed to be, and it, and it is a fantastic way to communicate with people anywhere, that, anywhere at any time. But oftentimes we don't use it appropriately, so people end up getting inundated with, with emails, and it becomes overwhelming. Their inbox is full, and they get frustrated, and they never get to the important ones, and they can't sort out which ones are which. So it's a matter of how do we use technology to be able to uh, have the, the, the most simple, lean, and effective organization possible. Okay, so if you're interested in getting the book Simply Effective, where would they find it, Ron? Well, it's, it's available on Amazon. It's published by uh, Harvard Business Press. And uh, it uh, can be available on uh, any of those means. Fantastic. If someone would be interested in learning more about Schaefer Consulting, how would they find the firm online, Ron? Well, our, our website is www.schaeferresults.com, all one word, Schaefer, S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R, results. Well, I appreciate the time you've given us here on Critical Mass Radio Show and sharing a little bit about your background experience and the work that you and your firm does for middle market and larger firms here and smaller firms, it sounds like, as well uh, in in the United States and uh, maybe in other parts of the world as well. But thank you very much, Ron, for being a part of the program, a friend of the program, and a part of the Critical Mass business community. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Rick. Have a good day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed our show today and that either the first interview or our second interview with Ron helped you to give you information, ideas, and a perspective that will help you to improve your business decision-making skills. This show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and Center Club. Our engineer for today's show is Paul Roberts. Our producer is Crystal Nunley. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Social media manager, Asia Celestino. And I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business or want to refer a future guest or maybe even advertise, visit our website at criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Until the next show, I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show. Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.